The rescuer has come, and he is on an all-out kingdom invasion. The gospel as we know it, according to Mark, is a fast-paced retelling of the life of Jesus. But so much more than just a simple biography, what it's really unfolding is nothing short of the invasion of the kingdom of God through Jesus into God's creation, into this world, and into our lives. Other gospels will focus on the teachings of Jesus, not Mark. Mark likes to plunge in on what Jesus is doing, his action and authority. Mark tells the story of the ushering in of the kingdom of God. Now, back in the beginning, life as God had made it was good. The first chapters of Genesis unfold this story of God making the creation as we know it and looking on it with wonderment, something that flowed with with poetry and beauty from his hand, and he looks at it and says, this is very good. We might call it perfect. The Hebrews would call it shalom, nothing short of the fullness of the wholeness of the blessing and peace and prosperity of what it means to be in God's presence. But not long after, as you read the story unfolding of the history in which we live, other forces at work were not content to leave God's creation and the good and wonderful state as he had made it. And forces of darkness, as the Bible will describe them, wielding the weapons of sin and death, came to seek to establish a pseudo-reign of their own, bringing tyranny and domination over God's creation and victimizing his people. But make no mistake, the gospel according to Mark sees Jesus as the king, the true king the one true divine and rightful heir to the throne. And he knows what God's kingdom is supposed to look like. Kingdom overflowing with life and goodness and mercy and justice and righteousness. A kingdom of God's shalom. And he knows what doesn't belong there as well. And so the gospel, according to Mark, unfolds a series of battles, of conflicts between Jesus bringing God's good kingdom against the powers of darkness that seek to keep God's creation under its thumb. At mere words, Jesus casts out demons, going into the darkest and most dangerous and haunted of places and bringing God's hope and forgiveness and joy. With a mere touch, Jesus drives out disease, restoring people from the affliction of a sinful world. He goes to those who are disenfranchised, those to who are abused, those to whom have been outcast, those to whom are unclean, and he welcomes them and embraces them and brings them into the loving presence of God. He stands the line against those who would seek to use religion as a weapon, to those who would seek in the name of goodness to do evil speaking prophetically with the truth and authority of God himself 
and to all that is wrong and all that is unjust in this world in which we live. But make no mistake, the powers that be and those that have allied themselves with them were not content to let Jesus just come and have his way. No, they fought back. They struck back. And in the greatest, most climactic moment of the gospel, we see Jesus himself giving his own life as a sacrifice to win the battle for the kingdom of God in this world. A king for his people, suffering and dying that the kingdom of darkness might be defeated once and for all and that God's kingdom might be restored again. And then, in a surprising twist that even his disciples couldn't grasp, Jesus shows himself victorious over death. Three days later, rising again from the dead, back, alive, real, tangible, material, one on whom death no longer has a hold ushering in a new age of God's kingdom and victory to all who calls on his name. And the invitation is that anyone who believes on him gives their allegiance to this one true divine and rightful heir. Life. Resurrection. Hope. Victory. And for 2,000 years, people of every stripe and variety, of every culture, tongue, and nation, have been echoing out the death knell of the kingdom of darkness under the banner and hope of Christ Jesus, the King. This is the gospel according to Mark. This is the story of what God is up to in this world, the story that Mark is trying to share. But if you look at it, it has the weirdest ending of any book, of any movie, of any story that you will ever see. Have you checked this out in your Bible? If not, I encourage you, look at this today. Look at how the gospel according to Mark ends. In 16 verse 8, you will find the last verse. And here's what it says. After the women go to the tomb. The tomb of Jesus after he died and was buried. Going there to anoint his body. They find the stone rolled away. And while they're wondering about this, they see a man glowing in clothes. White as snow. A man glowing in clothes like lightning. Who with like this greatest wry sense of humor just looks at him and goes, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen, just as he told you. Now go, go, go into Galilee. Go ahead into Galilee, because there you will see him. There you will meet him. And look at how it ends. Trembling and bewildered, it says. The women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. 
Is that like not the coolest ending, but like the weirdest ending you have ever seen? At the end of this incredible climactic story, trembling and bewildered, they run away and they don't like really say anything to anyone because they're, they're scared out of their wits. They're terrified, they're afraid, and they just go off somewhere and hide. What? I mean, it, it, it's odd. Is, is it like, I don't know, is there like some lost ending floating out, out there? Did the back page get ripped out of the script? I mean, is, is it just the greatest cliffhanger of all time? Either way you look at it, it is such a strange, amazing way to end the book. And it's not just people today who I think wrestle with it that way. Because if you look closely in your Bible, at the gospel according to Mark, you'll see an extra ending. You ever have a movie like this? where you see it, but then like you watch the director's cut later on and they actually had a bigger extended editing that just didn't make the first line of production. Mark has something like this. It's a director's cut. Footage, if you will. Footage describing the truth of what it now meant to live in a world where Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Footage, you will, of what then took place. Now today is a little known Christian holiday called Pentecost. Those of you who grew up in church world, maybe you've heard about it, but really didn't know what to do with it. And those of you who didn't really grow up in church world, well, well, 10 bucks says right now, and I'll even give you odds, that you've never celebrated this before in your life. But today is a day called Pentecost, and what it marks is a day in the resurrected world of Jesus in which we live. When Jesus ascended to heaven and sent his spirit upon people, living and breathing in his name with his power and authority to continue bringing his kingdom to this world in which we live. The director's cut of Mark, chapter 16, verses 9 to 20, is what life is like in a Pentecost world. It describes what it means to live in a world where Jesus is raised and ascended and seated at the right hand of God. And I want to share that piece of the story with you today. Mark chapter 16, the director's cut. Now, when Jesus rose early, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told this to those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Afterward, Jesus appeared in another form to two of them while they were walking in the countryside. And they went back and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven 
while they were eating. And he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the royal proclamation to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these are the signs that will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not harm them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will be well. And after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and they preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them, confirming his word by the signs that accompanied it. This is the director's cut of the gospel according to Mark, the alternate ending. I think about this. You know, for years, I tell you, I had this kind of visceral reaction to this ending in the Gospel of Mark. Like, what? Like, what's this doing in here? That wasn't part of the original. Why are they pegging this on? I got to tell you, I've done a 180. I've come to love it. I have come to love the description it gives in its own unique way of what it means to live as a believer in Jesus Christ in this world today. Because make no mistake, that's what the director's cut is about. What it means for you, for us, to live as people who call on Jesus' name what it means to live in the name of this Jesus and the resurrected and ascended world of the risen Christ that we live in. Today, I think about this. I think about what it unfolds. I think about what it kind of shares with us, just a few things. Living in this kingdom, did you catch it? It's marked by faith. It's marked by faith by those who are willing to dare to believe that God might actually say, and mean what he says, that God might actually be true to his word. So many of us, don't we, we give lip service. Lip service to the idea of God, the reality of God, even the word of God. But do we live in conformity? As though we actually believed that what it said was true? Sometimes, maybe, to be sure. But what does a life look like that is captured by such fundamental trust and faith that God means what he says and that dares to live in a different kind of way based on that reality rather than the one that often seems apparent before us? 
Make no mistake, it's hard. I love how the director's cut unfolded. He appears to Mary Magdalene. She goes and tells the rest. I mean, we're talking his friends. We're talking his disciples. What does it say? They didn't believe her. I mean, the woman's nuts. He appears later to two others walking along the road, and they go back and tell, and they still don't believe it. And then Jesus shows up himself. And don't you love it? It's like, you know, after seeing your best friend die, after struggling with the loss, the grief, the betrayal, the mourning, the weeping, aren't you just kind of expecting, like, hugs all around? No, I love it. Jesus is like, what's the matter with you guys? He rebukes them for their lack of faith. Man, it doesn't get worse than that. It's like, it's bad enough when you get rebuked when a person's alive the first time, they come back and the first thing's out of their mouth the second time is rebuking you again. He rebukes them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe that they wouldn't believe, that they refuse to believe, that they just wouldn't do it. Because a relationship with God starts with belief. No, not just belief that he exists, but the belief that when he speaks, he means it. And that what he says is true. And you can bank your life on it. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. This director's cut says, whoever does not believe, they They'll find themselves still separated from the kingdom, even though Jesus might be reigning on the throne. This kingdom of God, what does it mean to live in it? It's something else as well. It means proclaiming. It means proclaiming that which we have seen, that which Jesus has done. Proclaiming that which Jesus has done for me. Proclaiming that which Jesus has done for the world. What did Jesus tell them? Go out into the world and preach the gospel. He's not giving a pastor's job description here. No, he's talking to you. Go out and share the good news. Share what God has done and who is in control. Share the kind of God he is and the relationship he wants to have, the interaction he wants to have with people in the world around. Go out and preach the gospel, Jesus said, to all creation. Tell it to your friends. Tell it to your family. Tell it to the people that you meet when, when conversation and opportunity allows itself. Tell it to your dog. It says all creation, doesn't it? Go out to your trees if you need to practice and start preaching to them. Just do it. Get out there and stop keeping it within because Jesus wants the proclamation to go out because people need to know what's going on in this world. In a world filled with confusion and hurt and uncertainty, people need to know that there is a king and he is good and he is seated at the right hand of God. And all things we face in this world are in his hand. And nothing is outside of control. The director's cut shows it's a 
kingdom marked by healing. Oh, how we need healing. For the last couple of months, hyper aware of healing from a disease that scares us for which we have no prevention or cure. But it's deeper than that, isn't it? No, we live in a world where we yearn for healing, deep healing, transcendent healing. Healing of our bodies which we sense and know and feel and see. Still victimized by corruption and death and wasting away. Healing of our minds. Plagued by worry and fear. That often wage war even against us. Healing of our soul. Where every inclination of the heart feels conflicted, broken, unsure, empty. Jesus is a kingdom of healing. A kingdom of healing where at his name demons are driven out. Where at his name, people even can handle snakes and drink deadly poison, it would say, and not be harmed where the kingdom of darkness does not hold ultimate sway anymore, a kingdom where he would place their hands and people would be well. Make no mistake, we still get sick, we still die, accidents still happen, and we still find ourselves victimized, but it is a kingdom where the kingdom of darkness has been defanged, where it no longer holds ultimate sway and the power of Jesus is greater and he invites us to seek him in it, to seek his healing and be bearers of his healing, of mind, of body, and of soul, because make no mistake, it is a kingdom of power. It is a kingdom of power over the forces of sin and darkness and death. A kingdom where death no longer has mastery over Jesus and those in his reign. It is a kingdom where the power of God is shared, not just direct from heaven, but shared with you in you and through you as you bear his name. This is what it means to live in a kingdom of God world, a Pentecost world. I love how the director's cut ends where it says the disciples went out and began preaching everywhere and the Lord worked with them that God wants to work with you not do it for you, not do it despite you, not do it in lieu of you, though often he finds himself put in that predicament by us, doesn't he? No, he wants to work with you all. Oh, to have God want to work with me. Who am I that God would want to work with me? Who are you that God would want to work with you? He does. He wants to work with you. 
He wants to get in the business with you of bringing his kingdom of goodness and life to this world we live. The director's cut of Mark does not leave us running away, trembling and bewildered, saying nothing to nobody. No, the director's cut of Mark leaves us going out under the authority and power of God himself, sharing the good news the message, the word that God has brought and trusting that he will accompany it by his power with the signs of which he had spoken and the invitation he makes as he has made for 2,000 years is will you? Will you? Will you partner with me? Will you work with me? Will you call upon my name and believe in me? It's the challenge he makes right now. And I hope you'll believe it. Welcome to the royal proclamation of Jesus the King, the divine and rightful heir to the throne. Welcome to the kingdom of God.